All right, welcome to Rock Vegas, everybody. It's Glenn Rockney. Um, before I get started, shout out to everybody who was uh, who tuned in. I got a lot of new listeners from last week's episode with B.D. Williams, the film breakdown with Trayvon Mullen, Henry Ruggs in the slot. Um, shout out B.D. Williams because a lot of people had never really heard him talk before um, other than, you know, reading his stuff online, seeing his threads. Um, he was incredible. Um, shout out to him. Uh, I will say that a lot of people who tuned in thought that that was going to be every week. There will not be film breakdowns every week. Uh, as much as I would love for that to happen, um, BD's a busy man and uh, he's got his own ventures going here. So uh, to all the new listeners, um, thanks for stopping by. I do uh, suggest you go back to the old episodes, um, the position groups breakdown. I went over every single position group on this team, uh, went pretty well and pretty far in depth. And uh, also went over the draft picks, free agency. So anybody who's getting caught up for the season, because the season does start in less than a month, which is really exciting. So if you want to get caught up for the season, please check out Rock Vegas on iTunes and Spotify. A lot of these episodes are on YouTube. I'm pretty sure I put almost all these episodes on YouTube, but they're not video. So check them out on audio, whatever way you want to consume. iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Um, I do suggest you check those out. Now, Today, I have a really, really nice episode lined up. So um, definitely going to go over a, a lot of what's happened the first, uh, you know, week and a half of training camp. And uh, also, I was lucky enough to get an interview um, with the Associated Press with the Associated Press um, with Josh Dubow. So he was able to stop by. Um, again, if you follow, uh, if you're on Raiders Twitter, you see him arguing with a lot of the uh, the car enthusiasts, the Kardashians, if you want to call them, it happens. Um, he argues with them again, Josh Dubow at Josh Dubow AP. Uh, he did stop by for an interview. So that will be the second half of the show. I'm just going to play that interview that we did earlier today. Really, really fun conversation. And, uh, so yeah, other, other than that, I just wanted to get into just what this training camp is like. It's so weird because, you know, we, we don't get a lot of footage right we don't get a lot of the um the raw footage because just the covid situation uh lack of access for media um there have been a couple of nice videos that we've seen but uh we're kind of guessing to this point and we're kind of taking gruden at his word which isn't the best spot to be in you know what i mean cuz uh, john gruden likes to be coy and uh, cryptic with a lot of his stuff uh you don't really he doesn't really show his hand you know what i mean other than a few specific scenarios like darren waller and stuff like that but um a couple things that i've noticed is that john gruden um he's obsessed with malik collins and first time he said it i was kind of like okay he said hey malik collins is gonna be the focal point of this defense because amari cooper was gonna be the focal point of this offense when he first got the job here uh for the second time around he uh amari cooper i'm gonna feed amari cooper so i don't really know what that means. But when I talked to BD Williams last week, he was saying, look, man, this, this is probably going to be the best interior rusher on the team. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's really, really good. He's going to get pushed around in the run game. That's not why he's here. He's here to rush the passer. Um, Paul Gunther likened uh, uh, Malik Collins to Geno Atkins, which, you know, Geno Atkins is one of those guys that went under the radar for a while. Most people know about him, but people don't realize how good he is. He really made that defense go in Cincinnati. He was the guy commanding double teams on the middle, 
Defensive coordinators were circling him on the game plan. You weren't going to let Geno Atkins beat you. Now, is Malik Collins that good on a one-year, $5 million deal? I don't know. I'm not going to put, you know, all my stock into him, but this defense is sorely missing some interior pass rush. Um, I do think Mo Hurst could get a little bit of that done if you increase his snap count. P.J. Hall's gone, so if P.J. Hall's gone, I do think that Maurice Hurst is going to get an increased snap count on third down. I'd like to see Collins and Hurst rushing on third down. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Furl being kicked inside on third. I understand that's what the defense is asked of him, and that's why he was drafted, but I'm not sure you're going to get the best possible third down lineup with those four on the field. I'd love to see a lineup of Furl on the outside, Collins, Hurst, and Crosby. I don't see, I don't see why, that's, why that's bad. That being said, uh, Gruden, Gunther have been saying that Furl is going to be at least getting looks inside. And I don't know if that's going to be set in stone, um, that that's going to be the third down package. But I, I really am excited about Malik Collins. Um, he's definitely going to get the opportunity. I, I wouldn't imagine Gruden would be talking him up this much if he's not at least going to get the opportunity, right, to to just pin his ears back and rush. You know I mean, we have Hankins for the base downs. Jonathan Hankins is more than capable as a as a uh, run stuffer. You know what I mean? And uh, I wouldn't want him on the field a lot because teams do pass on first and second down a lot. And I don't know if Hankins gives you enough on pass rush to just keep him out there all the time on first and second down, but it's going to be one of those case by case basis depends on what the score is in the game. Um, I would hope the Raiders have a, a lead more in the games. Uh, you know what I mean? It's just something, a simple request as a fan, but I do hope that the Raiders get leads later in the game so that they can put the pass rush unit out there and they're not just trying to stop the run, get the ball back, come back, win. You know what I mean? That's, that's not, uh, a sustainable strategy, in my opinion. So I do hope that we do have leads to where we can let these rushers pin their ears back, not be worried about teams running the ball against them. You know what I mean? Because the Raiders were good at stopping the run last year. Uh, that didn't really matter as far as their overall defense. So Malik Collins is one thing I'm excited about. Um, the other thing I'm really, really pleased to see is just hearing in the press conferences, and, and again, you're going to have to take this at face value. It doesn't mean he's a great player or anything, but just the way the defensive players have been talking about Henry Ruggs and offensive players, right? Darren Waller said Henry Ruggs speed is everybody knows he's fast, but when he got on the field and started running routes, he said it was like when you turn the lights on, right? And the roaches start scattering, which uh, if you've ever tried to like catch a roach, I hope most of you haven't been in this situation, but I unfortunately have the uh, roaches are fast like insanely fast and quick, and you, it's tough to square them up. Um, not trying to call Henry Ruggs a cockroach at all. I uh, just would med, what would say the agility is similar to that. And uh, Henry Ruggs seems to be picking up the offense fast. Even just the little videos you see of seeing him running those little intermediate routes and just the way he stops on a dime and accelerates right out of his breaks. Um, it's really encouraging. And... I, like I said, I was critical. If you look at, if you listen to my episode of draft night, day one of the first round, when rugs and our net were taken, I was not pleased. Would it, but I've been talked into it and I, and I'm, and it's not artificial. I'm, I'm all in on Henry rugs. Henry rugs is going to take the, the top off the defense and he's going to make this offense 
explosive, right? Even if the ball's not in his hands, he's going to let Waller work. He's going to let Renfro work. He's going to let Brian Edwards work. I'm going to get to Brian Edwards in a minute, but he's going to allow for everybody else to eat on this offense. I think it's going to be the key to the offense. Um, that's also why I think Nelson Aguilar's here. Nelson Aguilar, his press conference, I've never heard him speak before. Like just, just talk. I didn't follow, um, in depth his Eagles career. Um, and I didn't really hear him much out of you at a USC given press conferences, but that guy's got a good head on his shoulders, man. He, he really seems to know the game. I think he's really pissed about the drops and, uh, what happened in, in Philly, but he's here for a reason. And I think for the longest time, Raider fans have been taking that for granted. I think Nelson Aguilar is going to have a nice little Brashad Perriman type year. I've said it before. He's going to have that, uh, Brashad Perriman, right? Brashad Perriman was drafted by the Ravens very much a head scratcher. Um, didn't really get anything going there. Went to Tampa last year, first half of the year. You don't hear much from him, but when Evans and Godwin get hurt, he comes in and he puts up numbers. And I think Nelson Aguilar, although they're not the same player, right? They're speed guys. Brashad Perriman's a little bigger, a little stronger, but Nelson Aguilar has been making contested catches at camp. Uh, Vic Tafer has been talking about it, at least high pointing some balls. Um, I think if you get the ball in his hand early, rather than running down the field. If you get the ball in his hand early and let him work after the catch, like that natural returner instinct that he has, I think you're going to get the best possible results out of him. And I think he's going to be really good depth for this team because like I said, Henry Ruggs is the key to this offense, but if the key has somewhat of a hamstring injury, you know what I mean? God forbid, I I hope he plays 16 games. You want to at least be able to replicate the speed of Henry Ruggs right? It's the same way I say when Jacobs gets hurt, you want to be able to replicate the physicality of Jacobs, even if it isn't in its truest, fullest form, you want to at least be able to replicate it to where you don't have to change your game call game planning, or you don't have to change your play calling that much. And I think Nelson Aguilar is the guy to replace Henry Ruggs. And I'd be happy to have him as depth. Again, I think Al Davis, this is an Al Davis move right here. Hey, this guy failed somewhere else. I love his speed. USC guy. Al Davis would have been all over this. And, uh, as much as I criticize Al Davis, you'll hear it in the Josh Dubow interview um, at the end. But Al knew how to take a take a risk on somebody who wasn't working out somewhere else. High draft pick, a lot of talent, and make it work for the Raiders in their glory years. It happened a lot. Jim Plunkett, ever heard of him? So, let's see, where am I going here? So, Henry Ruggs is the key. I think Nelson Aguilar is the backup key, right? The spare key you hide under the mattress. Um What is Brian Edwards? I'm trying to decide how excited I can get about Brian Edwards because right now he's getting like Calvin Johnson love among Raider Nation. And I think he's going to be great, but let's watch him play a few games. Let's let's see him stay healthy, right? He does have those injuries um, in college, foot injuries. Let's hope those don't linger. Um, I, I, all the footage, he, he looks incredible against this defense, which I, I do think is an improved defense. I do think that this defense is more athletic. It's faster. Everybody's saying it in their press conference. It's just faster from last year. You know what I mean? Even if you're, you're giving up a little bit of discipline, even if you're giving up, you know, maybe some after the, after the play, you know, 15-yard penalty on the offense, um, I, I just think – that this defense is explosive. You know what I mean? I think there's going to be, I think there's going to be people surprised early people that don't normally follow the Raiders and they'll go, man, the Raiders defense always stinks, right? They always stink. 
But I do think this defense is going to look, I think they're going to be susceptible to the big play. I think you're going to have a lot of aggressive uh, secondary play, a lot of aggressive linebacker play that maybe could be susceptible, some missed tackles, um, stuff like that. Nothing that we're not already used to, right? We're used to basically the defense just sitting back, right? Keeping everything in front of them and still getting, you know, yards after the catch, missing tackles. So, you know, you got you to take that account. But look at what Brian Edwards has been doing against this defense. I'll show you the video right here. This one, this one got me good. This one's like morning coffee when you watch this. Marcus Mariota drops back. Boom, tight window throw, beautiful throw. Brian Edwards. Like, look at it. Look at the size of this guy, man. Like, look at it. Look at the size of Brian Edwards. Catch, boom, spin. I don't know. Ten-year vet right there. You would have never told me that guy was a rookie. So I'm excited, right? I'm super excited about Brian Edwards. I don't know how excited I can be um, because, like I said, it is the Raiders. I do have a little bit of PTSD. Um, just getting super excited about players. But this guy's got it, man. This guy's got it. He's got the yards after the catch. I've compared him to Anquan Bolden. But I've been told he's faster. And it does show, right, when you watch the South Carolina film. It does show. I'm really excited about this guy. There are a lot of takes I see on, on uh, Raiders Twitter, and I don't think they're wrong. There's people saying, look, Ruggs is going to be just the, the, the speedster, right? The little Porsche you take out on the weekends, right? Um, the divorced dad Porsche that you take to uh, downtown area. See what's going on downtown. See what you, see what you can reel in, right? Brian Edwards is the is the 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 big pickup that you take. You know what I mean? You you put a bunch of plywood in the back, home projects. Hey, you, you selling that? No, it's for free. I'll come in with my big truck and I'll take it in. My truck can handle anything. Don't trip about it. I can tow this. I can tow a boat with it. Um, he's gonna be the guy, man. It's not gonna be glamorous. He's gonna be the the nitty gritty guy. So I think they complement each other really well. I've I've said it earlier. Henry Ruggs, the pick when it first happened at twelve, I was like, ah, we we need way more than that. The Edwards pick kind of intertwined with it. Like it, it really made that rugs pick make sense. I think it's not fair to, it's not out of the question to say that Brian Edwards could be the number one receiver. Like just that go-to guy, right? Like that Michael Thomas kind of, and Henry Ruggs would be like a supercharged Ted Ginn, right? And I and don't get freaked out. Ted Ginn didn't perform, but I'm saying like a supercharged Ted Ginn, almost like a Deshaun Jackson. And, and maybe this receiving core is going to be loaded finally, right? Make it car proof, man. If you're not a car fan, make it car proof. That's the way I look at it. Um, so another thing that was floating around, just speaking of these two, is I saw a thing on Roto World. So Roto World, if you look at the headline on Roto World, and I'll share it with you guys right now, this headline is super, super deceiving. Um, I think a lot of people like to claim clickbait and clickbait's interesting when you use that term because again at the end of the day people do want clicks roto world's going to want clicks especially during a slower off season where there's not as much content right so brian edwards starts over rugs in three wide sets so if you haven't really been following the raiders or if you have and it's just been kind of surface level you're thinking man is henry rugs bad because that's what that that headline says now, you also say, hey, maybe Brian Edwards is just a baller, which by all accounts, it looks like he is. But let's, let's actually click on the article. So I think you should take the bait and click on this clickbait because if you read the article, it's a lot different. 
So here we go. Just a small, small thing. Brian Edwards, Raiders rookie, Brian Edwards is getting first team reps over Henry Ruggs. That's in bold. So they want you to just see that, click out of that, say some dumb shit on Twitter and have people, you know, on your head all day saying, hey, did you actually read the article? No. And then you blame clickbait when really it's, it's your fault. It's personal accountability here. You got to read. So it's a paragraph. Come on. It's a paragraph. That's not a lot. This is not a lot. Okay. Sound it out top to bottom, left to right. So it's very important to note that a big chunk of the Raiders true starting lineup was not getting first team reps during the session. Zay Jones, Aguilar, Devontae Burke, Booker were the starters here. Okay, hold on, time out. So right then and there, you kind of can almost disregard this article. Zay Jones, Nelson Aguilar, and Devontae Booker were starters here. And then Brian Edwards is playing. Okay, so that's not the Raiders starting lineup. Josh Jacobs would be there. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. Zay Jones is not going to be a starter on the Raiders unless a lot of injuries happen. Right? So that that right then and there was just a sentence. That's all you had to read. So Zay Jones, Nelson Aguilar, Devontae Booker were starters here. But this is something to at least monitor throughout the rest of training camp. Derek Carr and offensive coordinator Greg Olson have been talking like Edwards is a starter. And he's running at X receiver with Tyrell Williams not practicing. We're not sure how the roles will play out, but it's possible that Hunter Renfro could be dropped from three wide receiver sets, which, okay, maybe there's some truth to that, right? Maybe there's a, a, a scenario where you're going to see Tyrell Williams, Henry Ruggs, and Brian Edwards on the field with no Renfro. I still think Gruden's going to try to spread the field a little bit more this year, right? Have four guys. Then you have those four on the field. You have Renfro and Ruggs as your two inside guys. Edwards and Williams on the outside or, or another, you know, I mean, jumble that up, like boggle the game, boggle, scramble that up, see what else happens. I think they're very interchangeable. A lot of these guys. So, um, they're saying Hunter Renfro could be dropped from three wide receiver sets. The Raiders have mentioned rugs in the slot where he made 25% of his catches last year. Edwards, a 94th percentile college dominator has difference making upside. If he opens the year, at one of the outside spots. Okay. So that article is not what the headline says. And that's okay. Okay. Nowadays, how many websites are competing with each other for clicks? You do have to say something to at least goes, man, what? When you look at that, and then you click on it and you read it and realize, okay, this is what they meant. It's not the other way around where you read the headline, said something dumb, someone called you out, and then you said it was clickbait. We got to be smarter, Raider Nation. We got to be smarter. We got to read these articles. It's not that serious. Um, I do think, you know, hey, are these reporters kind of baiting you a little bit? Probably. But you took the bait. Nonetheless, just to get back to where we were, I do think Brian Edwards could be a starter on this team and could eventually take Tyrell Williams' spot. But they're both outside guys. I think they're both going to get, they're both two kind of tall, somewhat physical. I I think Williams could be a little bit more physical, but they're both two big physical guys on the outside. And then you're going to have the two little rabbits in the slot. You're going to have Renfro who's shifty and you're going to have Ruggs who's just a bullet, you know? And that's called a wide receiver core. All these fans are so worried about depth, depth this, depth that. And, And we need depth at wide receiver. Look at last year. Raiders were trading 
pretty much valuable draft capital. If you like the way Mayock drafts on draft three, I would say day three picks are good draft capital when you have Mike Mayock as your GM for Trevor Davis, Zay Jones. Maybe you don't have to do that this year. You know what I mean? Don't be in a hurry to get rid of your depth. It's the same re reason that once you didn't get a good enough offer for Gabe Jackson after drafting John Simpson, now you have Gabe Jackson and John Simpson. So if Gabe Jackson gets injured, which he has, you have John Simpson. Let's have a loaded wide receiver core. Let's go be able to go five wide. You know, it's good. This is a good thing. I think John Gruden's always wanted too many wide receivers. I think that's a dream of his. So don't overreact to these articles. Yes, they're clickbait, but if you take the bait, that's still on you, you know? Don't just read the headline. I see that happen with a lot more severe articles, like with politics, medicine, health, a lot of stuff like that. Don't get into that habit. Now, another thing that stood out to me. Oh, actually, one more thing before I get to this. Trent Brown and Josh Jacobs, and I'm, I'm about to get into Josh Jacobs. Trent Brown and Josh Jacobs haven't really been practicing a whole lot. And Gruden's been kind of coy with it. Like, ah, hey, look. I'm able to make a few. He said, I'm the head coach is able to make a few decisions on who practices and who's not. To me, that says, I'm not trying to risk these two guys. These two guys get it. These two guys are the key to our offense. Trent Brown and Josh Jacobs. I know they know what to do. And I know that they will both get in shape on their own. And I'd take the chance of them skipping camp just a little bit and having them fresh and ready for week one. Now, Gruden won't go out and say that, but he I think they're keeping them to the side, doing their work on the side. Again, Raider Nation overreacting to the fact that in a weird offseason like this, Trent Brown and Josh Jacobs, the two, in my opinion, pretty sure things on this offense aren't practicing you know, every single day. Let's keep Jacobs fresh. Let's bubble wrap him. We know what to expect of Josh Jacobs. He's a beast. Trent Brown, beast. You know what I mean? Missed him last year when he was out. Even though I think the O-line's got depth, you need Trent Brown in there. So don't worry too much about that. I think we're over, just overreacting because we haven't had football in a while, like live Raider updates of things that are happening somewhat on a field. So I do think we're overreacting. I think we've been ready to get these takes off. There's no preseason game, so I think we'll overreact to training camp. So last thing before I get to the Josh Dubow interview. The thing that I found really crazy was the reaction to people saying Josh Jacobs wants to catch 60 passes this year. Okay, let's start from the get-go. Josh Jacobs setting goals that I don't think he's going to catch 60 passes, but he wants to, and that's good. So again, I don't think anybody was saying, I don't think John Gruden said, hey, Josh, I need you to catch 60 this year. I don't think anybody said that to him. I think he just said, look, I want to catch all these passes, man. I want to be like Christian McCaffrey. I want to do all that kind of stuff. He's not the same runner as Christian McCaffrey. But I do think, and I did see some fans say, look, man, I got to keep Jacobs fresh. If he's rushing the way he was rushing and they were just putting the ball in his stomach and telling him to run between the tackles, I don't want to put 60 catch catches on top of that and burn him out by the end of the year. Surface level, I think that's a fair comparison. But I would counter with this point. I do want Josh Jacobs to catch the ball more and run the ball less, right? Maybe the touches don't really change. Think about the times Josh Jacobs was throwing the ball last year. He made shit happen after the catch. 
right? Look at Denver. First game of the year. Kind of, kind of did kind of a little angle route. Made a couple guys miss on the second level. Nice 20-something yard gain. Um, gets Indy. I hit a huge play. I don't know if that was third down or not. Huge play to get a first down uh, reception. Um, so what I would suggest to Raider fans who are worried about overusing Jacobs is instead of putting the ball in his stomach on first down predictably, rushing between the tackles, hoping he makes guys miss, which he's great at, why not swing it out to him in the flat where he has a sideline as his friend, doesn't have to take a hit. I think he's a walking six-yard gain. Like Josh Jacobs, if you give him the ball in space, guaranteed six yards at least. And then, you know, bonus after that, he gets the Mario star. After he makes the first guy miss, he gets that Mario star. That one where he's, you can't touch him after that. When he's really got that head of steam, watch the Green Bay game, you know? So instead of just predictably putting the ball and, you know, handing the ball off to him, running in between the tackles, um, let's make those first down, throw the ball to the running backs on first down. Then he doesn't have to be out there on third down. Jalen Richard, great pass protector, can still be in there on third down. Just kind of shake it up on offense. So I don't even I don't even think Jacobs needs more touches. I just think diversifying his touches is the way to go. And I think Gruden sees it. He was talking about it. He said, hey, we got to get him involved in the pass game more. Mayock said last year, hey, he's going to have to learn just a little bit more about his blocking assignments before we trust him in the past game. Um, whether that's true or not, I'm not sure. But it does sound like that's what's going to happen this year. Throw the ball to your running back. You're going to get a better matchup, right? You're going to at least see the quarterback drop out and have to at least some guys are going to have to drop into coverage, giving Jacobs a head start rather than handing him the ball and everybody. And Raiders don't play action that much. It's not like the Raiders are predicated on play action. The run doesn't really set up the pass that much um, in, in Gruden's offense. Now, so I appreciate you guys for listening to this. Um, the second half of this episode will be the Josh Dubow interview. Uh, Josh Dubow, um, you guys will remember him if you're, uh, especially if you're a car defender, you see the car argument on the internet. Um, Josh Dubow always has stats about Derek Carr. And this was a really interesting interview because I did think that he got taken out of context as out of context as kind of a hater of the Raiders when really he's just saying like, look, anybody who thinks he's a top 10 quarterback is not correct. And I agree with that. Derek Carr is not a top 10 quarterback. It's just not, it's not the case. There's a few people that still die on that Hill and, uh, Josh lets them die on that Hill every single day. It seems like they, they suit up, they put their armor on, um, they say a prayer and then just lunge into battle on a, towards a person that knows way more than them. Um, thoughts and prayers to you, if that's you that does that. But um, I just wanted to let uh, Josh Dubow put like a human element to it, that it wasn't just like numbers on Twitter, you know, and I thought it was interesting. So um, again, I'm at Glenn Rockney. Follow me at Glenn Rockney, G-L-E-N-R-O-C-K-N-E-Y. I do have a podcast called Rare Candy. That's what this YouTube channel is, is Rare Candy Podcast. You could check that out. It's kind of more politics-based, um, stuff like that. So it might not be for you. Um, again, thank you for enjoying this and, uh, check out all my old episodes too. And, uh, I'm going to keep it going. So, uh, again, Josh Dubow's coming up next. Um, please subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to me, leave a review. It helps. It helps get more traffic. Um, it helps me really, you know, get the new guests, get stuff like that, because I do like having guests going solo is kind of tough. So, uh, anywho, um, here's Josh Dubow. Thanks guys.
All right. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. I am here with uh, from the AP Associated Press, um, one of the most polarizing figures on uh, on Raiders Twitter, but um, somebody I find just fascinating. I I never I don't miss your tweets at all. I I always check the uh, I always check what's going on. Um, and uh, his his name is Josh Dubow. Um, and a lot of you have seen him. Um, your Twitter handle is Josh Dubow AP, correct? Yes. And um, so before we get into Derek Carr, because that seems to be what most people want to talk to you about. And uh, that seems to be what everybody comes to, to war. They, they get their war paint on and they, they're like, hey, I'm, today's the day I'm going to get them. And uh, so with all the moves the Raiders have made in the offseason, uh, you know, adding speed on the outside, really retooling the defense. Is there any reason that this year's different than 17 of the last 18? Um. Sure. There, there's always hope. I, you know, if you're a fan, be optimistic. Uh, I'm a college football fan of Michigan, and I think Michigan's going to beat Ohio State every year they play them, and then I get disappointed every every November when they get killed. So I get it as a fan. Like, you always – and in the NFL, like, if the best-case scenario happens for any team, things can go well. You know, the reality is the best-case scenario maybe only happens for one or two teams in a year, well, you realize, I mean, you realize for us, the best case scenario is like just getting into the playoffs. So, yeah, like, yeah, right. right. But yeah. I, so it doesn't, you know, so as a fan you're, or as a coach, even you're probably thinking, okay, if everything goes right, we think we think we can do it this year. Obviously, everything doesn't always go right. You're going to have players get hurt. You're going to have breaks go against you, calls go against you. So whether this will be different, I don't, I really don't know. I don't expect them to be you know, nine, 10 win team. I expect them probably to be similar to that six, seven, eight win team that they've been, okay. but there's no reason, you know, they can prove me wrong. I, I'm definitely wrong a lot. So, uh, well, I mean, I, I agree with you a lot when, in terms of the numbers that you post, because look, I'm, I, I didn't bring you on here because I'm some, I don't have a car poster back here. You don't see it. Right. So I, <laughs> I'm not, uh, I'm not the type of guy that's going to sit here and, and debate you over that, but right. I do want to get some context and it kind of looks so cut and dry the way you post it. But I just, I'm wondering, is there any, nuance to Derek Carr's 39 and 55 record or is it sure. as bad no as they're, de- they're definitely and you know and it's so on Twitter it's, you know obviously some of the tweets get taken maybe the wrong way and so you know a lot of the negative tweets I put out on him sound a lot worse necessarily than they are but it's sort of just to refute the point that people are saying this guy's a top 10 quarterback which I definitely do not believe that he is yeah he were a top you know the fact that they're 39 and 55 or the fact that they're I think the le- the second lowest scoring quarterback, or they've scored the second fewest points with Carr as any team is with any quarterback in the last twenty years. I think only Kerry Collins' teams were worse. That sounds bad. Like that's not, <laughs> you know, that doesn't tell the whole story about it. Like, he's better. He's not the second worst quarterback in that span. He's not the second worst quarterback in that group. He is better than that. But if he were as good as the people who are advocating for him are saying. They wouldn't be that low. They wouldn't be under 20 points a game three years in a row. Yeah, the, the defense has been bad. Yes, the defense has been bad for most of the last 16, 17 years. Have they had last year? Did they have good wide receivers? No, they did not really have good wide receivers. Tyrell Williams was okay and he was hurt, and Hunter Renfro was okay, you know, but they weren't loaded at that position. Sure. Like, has the talent around him been at the level that other teams have? No, but he hasn't lifted it either. And a really good quarterback, I guess my only point is a really good quarterback gets you above 20 points a game. 20 points a game is not a lot in today's NFL. To be under that for three years in a row. Yeah, to be under that for three years in a row, something's got to be wrong. Like, the quarterback can't be great. Right. And it can be that low. But I guess that's yeah. the point I make. And sometimes it sounds worse than it is saying they ranked the lowest of this or the lowest of that. It's not to say he's the worst quarterback. 
Because he definitely is not. He's the middle of the pack quarterback. Like, you know, I think the Athletic and their survey of NFL executives had him 20th. Uh, I think PFF had him somewhere around there going into this year. And, right. You know, that 15 to 20 range, you know, he's the average to maybe, you know, right in that range. You can have, been, you can have a year where things go well and you perform better than that and you perform really well. And you can have a year where like 2018 and 2017 where, you know what, he performs worse. And, but basically he's going to be around that, that group. That so what you're saying is it's his, the margin for error for the talent around him is so slim, right? Like it has to be great. You know what I mean? For him to get the best out of him, right? Is it, it, he can't, he's not going to take a bunch of cast offs and right. be Aaron Rodgers. If you, if you surround him with a really, uh, with a really good team, he's capable of performing with that really good team. But if you surround him with average to below average, he's not going to lift the talent better than what it is. So if you have average talent around him, you'll probably be an average offense. If you have below average talent around him, you'll probably be a below average offense. If you have above average or really good talent around him, you'll probably be an above average offense. Right. He, he's, he's not going to change where you are, in my opinion. Like, you know, pretty much I think the evidence of his six years has shown that. When they were really bad talent around him, like 2014, they couldn't score at all. When they had really good talent around them in 2016 they scored when they the talent got less they scored less you know basically you look at it like yeah he's the constant everything else has changed and when the things around him are good then they've been above average sure like that one year is basically the one year they've been above average in scoring one year out of six yeah and even that year did you think that was kind of uh like they were kind of a nine and seven team kind of cost playing as a 12 and four. Like, cause it felt like a lot of hero ball to me personally. Like, yeah, I don't think they played you know, their point differential, which is usually more predictive going down the line and some of the more advanced stats. They were not a, the quality of a 12 and 14 that year. They were probably, you know, maybe a 10 win team, nine win yeah. team, maybe, you know, and you know, they, they got fortunate in some, some close games. They did well in close games. He played well and he played well in those games. Like he gets credit for that. But in terms of predictive value, of how good the team was going forward, I think they probably they may have overrated themselves a little bit. Yeah. Well, and that that's what got you know Jack Del Rio a contract, and then you have to the next year you decide, oh, that's this isn't what I want. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and obviously, the decision to get rid of Bill Musgrave and keep Ken Norton was not the wisest decision um, at the time, or in retrospect. Right. Um, but I don't know if that would have changed you know, how much that would have changed things going down the line. You know, I think if John Gruden wanted to come back to coach, I think Mark Davis was going to bring John Gruden back. So I don't know how much really would have changed, but. So you think even after that 12 and four season, like if Gruden's like, Hey, this look, team looks cool. I think I'd like to coach them. You think Mark makes the move? Mark's pretty much said that when Gruden wanted to come back. Yeah. So, um, and I know Jack's felt the same way too. He, he said it. So, um, yeah, maybe Gruden would have been less likely to say it. I try to force, you know, it might not, he might've felt awkward doing it if the team's doing really well and, and trying to angle and get some fight like that, I, that part. I don't know, but I think if he wanted to come back I think Mark was going to hire. Okay. Well, you brought up earlier, you brought up, offensive points per game right that seems to be a big number i see that uh, you tweet about and where where the the raiders are just underperforming with Carr in points per game mm-hmm. it's not a winning the, what they put out i don't know the exact number but i think uh i believe they're 28th in the league since he got there they were 24th last year they've been above average once okay so it's not good well uh right. i actually have a question um i was mm-hmm. telling a, a a friend of mine his name is uh, marcus johnson he writes for the raiders wire and uh he had a question for you you two have had a couple interactions they don't get okay. as crazy as your other interactions is <laughs> very civil but he uh he was saying why do you use offensive points per game as a quarterback metric kind of just it sounds like you're almost isolating the quarterback but then putting that number on just him you know Basically, it's for simplicity. Like, it, and again, it's not to evaluate. Like, I would not use offensive points per game 
on a list of quarterbacks and say, this is how I'm going to rank my quarterbacks. It's basically, it's a real simple way to look at it. And I think it, and it's basically to say, if you're at the bottom of this, how great a quarterback can you be? If your team is, is traditionally under below average and below 20 points a game and in the bottom third, bottom quarter, bottom five in the league over your whole career, right? Maybe the talent is substandard around, but if you're a really good, the really good quarterbacks, they just don't like, here. I can look, the list of quarterbacks, what do we have? Oh, so, please. I was hoping. I was hoping you had yeah, there we go. ready for the numbers. Yeah. So the five quarter, five quarterbacks the last 20 years, their team scored 20 points a game, less than 20 points a game, three straight seasons. It's Derek Carr, David Carr, Sam Bradford, Jake Plummer, Joey Harrington. Oh, Gruden coached two of those guys. Yeah. What? yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, so it's like when you're in that group, they, again, does it mean you're one of the worst five quarterbacks last 20 years? No, but, it, you know, you don't see Ryan's in that list year in, year out. You don't see the Phillip Rivers in that list year in, year out. You don't see Matthew Stafford in that list year in, year out. Like, I'm not even talking like the top, top, you know, obviously the Holmes, Brady, Breeze, those guys, whatever. You don't see the really good quarterbacks in that list year in, year out. And is part of it the talent around them? Sure. Is part of it the defense doesn't create turnovers? Sure. But that might get you from 19 to 22, and 22 is still below average right now. So like, if you're that far below average, like the other stuff maybe gets you to average, and that's where you are. It's just a simple way to show if he was as good as the, some of the people are saying, then you wouldn't be at 19 points a game, 18 points a game. Right. Well, and, and now that I'm not even defending the defense at all, but right. my, my whole thing was is they've always been – seemed good in the first half. The offense always seemed to have kind of rhythm in the Gruden uh, era. Mm-hmm. Kind of had like a rhythm and, you know, I fall for it every time. I say, this, okay, this is how it's going to be. But then the third quarter, they hit the emergency break while they're going 65 and nothing, nothing seems to go right after that. And now my, my thing is I don't think the defensive struggle should really affect Carr, right? Carr, if Carr's putting up, you know, with, with the Carr-led Raiders are putting up 26, 27 points per game, I know that Carr's not the problem, right? And they're still losing, right? right? Yeah, exactly. Like, that, like that's, that's kind of the point, right? The defense, obviously, can the defense help you? Totally. Like, the defense can create, you know, in 2016, the defense, I think, was number two in the league in turnovers for us. The Raiders had one of, I think, the fifth best average starting field position over the last, like, 10 years that year. So, can the defense help you on the margins? Yes, no doubt. Um, but can the defense – but the really good question, like, when Drew Brees, when the Saints were going 7-9, when the defense was bad for Drew Brees – they were putting up 26, 27 points. Yeah. So it's, you can still score with a bad defense. Yeah. You know, that's not the problem. You say, okay, I'm, we're scoring uh, points, but we're, we're, so I guess what I was getting at is in the third quarter, wouldn't you, wouldn't it almost be a better argument that the offense going into three and out mode after the second half and leaving a defense that nobody thinks is good uh, on the, even the people that debate you every day, they know that, you know, the defense isn't right. good and all that. So wouldn't their three and outs kind of actually, worsen things for the defense you know? well, it does work both ways i think some of the well and here's the stat under gruden that i think sort of illustrates your point first drive of the game 2.97 points per drive fourth best in the nfl in the two years under gruden after the first drive of the game 28th in the league in score 1.5 points it almost drops in half to 1.5 points per drive so yeah they do start off well and then it does not stay that way it's <laughs> yeah, crazy and, yeah so i think i think what sometimes gets missed is people has the defense helped Carr out? No. But has the has Carr helped the defense out? No. If the offense is scoring 27 points a game, then the opposing team is taking more chances and having to be in, in pass situations where you know they're in pass situations, and it's probably easier for the defense to force turnovers and do some other things too. So it works. They do work hand in hand. 
the offense helps the defense, the defense helps the offense. And I agree, defense has not helped the offense very much at all outside of 2016. But I also don't think the offense has helped the defense very much. No, no, I, it's, it's true. And so, okay, um, given the climate, so I'll tell you where I was. Last year, I was done. I was watching them. I said, this, I've seen enough. This is year six. I, there's one constant with all this turnaround right. with losing. There's one constant, and it's been him right with all this losing and look i know it's been the losing's been happening before he got there right but mm-hmm. in the nfl i feel like windows get sped up now it doesn't take three to four years to right. rebuild i remember you touching on that too when people said hey gruden's in second year right. of a rebuild or right. third year of a rebuild but you've said look sean payton did it in a year you know what i mean or right. like yeah. something like that so we know that this can actually change quote unquote overnight right not literally but you can change it a lot faster than you think now this year with the covid offseason i'm actually okay with keeping car because of the continuity, I, I don't think even with a John Gruden offense, how complicated it is. I didn't want to bring a new quarterback in and then start all over with this type of offseason. Do you think it's do you do you think it might be somewhat of an advantage, even with Carr's struggles, that they have him this year? It should be. Like they've got the most the highest percentage of snaps on offense returning this year of anyone in the NFL. So they have the most continuity on offense of any team. Um, basically, you're throwing in Henry Ruggs um, as a starter. You get a, you'll get a little bit of Witten, a little bit of maybe Brian Edwards, a little bit maybe Lynn Bowden. But basically, you've got the offense. Other than Ruggs, you have most of the key pieces on offense are all back. That should be an advantage. I, whether it turns out that way, who knows? But I, I'd obviously rather have that than not have that. Um, but yeah, I think the question, yes, in, in any given year, the decision to bring back car is a totally indefensible decision. Um, he's probably, it's not as if, a rookie quarterback is probably going to come in and be better when you're not, you know, basically the only, the only year they picked in the top five since he left was his first year after his first year when they got Amari and you weren't going to write off the quarterback after his first year. And then in the 2019 draft, they picked fourth. It happened to be a year. There was only one quarterback available in the court. One real, you know, I, I get not taking Dwayne Haskins or Daniel Jones. I get not at number four mm-hmm. was defensively, you know, so there hasn't been a quarterback necessarily. They haven't been in the position to take the top quarterback in the drafts. And I get that. And Carr's, so Carr's been better than the, the guys you're looking at in the draft. And he's probably better than the guys who are available most years on the free agent market. This year was probably the one year where you had guys, you did have intriguing veteran quarterbacks available. And I get the decision to say, I want the stability um, and run it back one more year. Like I, I understand that decision, but at some point, you sometimes have to take a step back. You know, you know, they look at Andy Dalton with the Bengals. Like they... Yeah. The, Raiders, the Dalton years were better than the car years have been in for the Raiders. Like, they had more success. They made the playoffs four or five times, whatever, you know, um, not just the one. I've seen more talent around it, whatever. But like, at some point, they, they did realize, okay, this isn't going to be the answer and moved on. Like, at some point, you're going to have to make that decision, I think, at some point. And the question is whether you are willing to take the step back to do you might and it might be a step a step back at first to do it um right but at some point they have have to weigh that and right now it hasn't been you know and john green doesn't like rookie quarter he doesn't like young quarterbacks yeah um so i get it like um but at some point either car is going to have to rate either the team's have to play better with car or they're gonna have to make the change so we'll see what happens whether which right and what about mariota does that does that intrigue you at all like is that is that because i was shocked I, I when it happened, it was the first day. It was damn near the first signing. I think. Yeah, it was, it was one of the first. Kowski. It was very. Yeah. They signed Kwiatkowski right away, and then like Mariota felt like almost instantly after. I don't know. I believe. 
but yeah, I can't remember if it was that day or the next day, but yeah, it was it was before the it was during the the tampering period. It was before free agency opened. It was the same day I think as Witten. Witten and Mariota, I think we're all and you were all the same day. But yeah, I they're it's all blended together. But yeah, it was early. Were you intrigued by that? Did that? I mean, what does that say to you as as somebody when they bring in? They've always had Mike Glennon's, the Petermans, the you know AJ McCarron, right. guys that. No, this never... is the first time they've had. Yeah, EJ Manuel. This is the first time they've had a quarterback who you could envision saying, "Okay, this guy could be our starter." I don't think anyone ever thought EJ Manuel was going to be a starter no. anymore. Or Peterman or Glennon or McGloin or Connor Cook, whatever. I think that's um, most of them. Yeah, so this is obviously the first time you have someone who could be, um, you know, I'm making uh, Mariota somewhat intriguing. I don't know. Um, I think he does some things that Gruden will like. I think his mobility and be able to create that way is probably something that Gruden does like, but I'm not certain. There's no evidence from his five years that he's going to be the answer either. Right. There's no, right. Um, so, but does it make it easier if things are going bad to, to take a look at this year as opposed to, you know, we can take a look at Mike Lennon. Right? Well, exactly. But right, right. So maybe it, if things aren't going well, like does that lead John to say, hey, I want to take a look at this? That's possible. Yeah. No, it felt so weird to me, especially the way the contract was structured. It almost feels like he's here for next year. You know what I mean? Like they're kind of getting him right. And with Mayock's quotes, they were always saying, hey, we got to get him healthy. We got to get him with a thing like that. And then he he can make like a decent amount of money next year if he's here and plays. Well, if he plays this year. Yeah, if he plays. Yeah, if he doesn't play this year, he doesn't get right. So, um, you know, I guess his way to protect himself if he becomes becomes Tannehill. If he becomes Tannehill to what Tannehill did to him, he's at least somewhat protected. Um, but, But yeah, whether he gets the opportunity to play, I don't know, to, to kick in some of those incentives. Yeah, no, well, I, I'm, I'm glad you cleared some of that up because on Twitter, it's kind of just numbers, you know what I mean, right. Right, that you throw out. And uh, I think even just people that have a dartboard with your face on it um, in their <laughs> house – I think even hearing that they're going to be like, okay, see, I'm trying to, I'm trying to package you to Raider nation a little bit better because I understand what you're saying. And um, so when on your Twitter interactions, like, are you ever stumped by anybody that, that comes at you? Like, have you ever just been like, wow, that's actually a really good point. I, I got nothing. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I can't think of what's with that. Like, you know, I, and it's weird. I don't, like evaluating quarterbacks on, on wins. And I think when I put the win, I, I had a wins thing with car, I card the most loss, losses the first six years. The two cars were, were um, I put that out more out of, less out of an evaluation, more out of, I found that funny. Um, and then I think I put some stuff out basically up until this off season, I've, I haven't really interacted too much with people on Twitter. I usually most ignore the mentions and I don't know why I switched over this year and maybe I'll learn to regret it. Um, but I think you like it. <laughs> I could get tired of it at some point, but uh, yeah. the basically the point on Carr's record and things like that was about there's there's not a lot of history of, of a team staying with a quarterback that long who doesn't win. Like, no, whether it's the quarterback's fault or not, if a team goes six years with a quarterback and doesn't have success, they usually move on from the quarterback. Um, just that's history. Like that's how teams yeah they're not patient they do. So this is rare. I got, I, so I think I was uh, a Brady talk was back in like February with the Brady talk. Right. Yeah, it's Brady. You know, are they going to make a run to Brady? He's, he's going to be interested. And, and you hear some people saying, well, why would you ever do that? You know, car, 
always been. You know, basically my point was most teams move off from a quarterback after six years if they don't if they don't have success. Um, it's not unusual to move on from that, um, and that got some people fired up, and then it just started building from there. So, yeah, that, that's because I don't I don't ever remember like the genesis of it because I follow I've followed you for a long time. It's right. like, yeah, and it's it just always seemed like just well, it's, it's funny because because for most of the whatever 10, 11 years I've been on Twitter, most my tweets have probably been much more negative on the defense than on the offense. The defense has been worse. Like, and for you, you know, people complained about him too negative on the defense, and now. And then the thing I find interesting with some of the Raider fans is if, if I put a shout out on drop passes by Raider receivers, no one complains about that being no, negative. yeah, but that being negative, that's like a positive stat for the Raiders, like the fact that receivers drop passes. But um, you put out a stat on car, and it's even even if it's not even negative, just like a neutral stat, and it's like people freak out over it. Yeah, it, you know, it's got to be just PTSD. That's the way I've always looked at it because he's not Kerry Collins, right? Even though, like you said, it's he's actually got some statistical uh, things in common. Yeah. He's not – I don't believe that he was Raiders Kerry Collins. I don't believe – Not Raiders. Uh, right, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah, Tennessee yeah. maybe. But, no, the uh, – He's not Andrew Walter. He's not those guys, right? Yeah. Just aesthetically, when you watch him, it, it yeah. looks really good at times. And I think Raider fans are really territorial over that. And it's like, look, man, like I like him. I don't because they have this weird kind of false uh, equivalency where they're like, well, what do, what do you want Andrew Walter again? But the likelihood of going from Carr to Andrew Walter again. Well, is, I, think, I think the thing that people is when you go back to the Kerry Collins, Andrew Walter, Aaron Brooks, Josh McCann, like that whole stretch, like the post Gannon, the post Gannon stretch. Oh yeah, where things were bad. There weren't that many good quarterbacks in the NFL. Like being the 16th best quarterback in the NFL, there was like a big difference between being. You know, there was, you know, there was, you know, Favre was still around and Manning. You had your handful of guys who were really good, and then you had some average guys, and then there were a lot of bad quarterbacks. So to get to that average level, puts you above a lot of teams. And you saw Terry Collins in Tennessee going 13, winning 13 games one year with a good team. You know, you, you could see that in a lot of places. Now there's a lot of good, there are a lot of good quarterbacks. Like, yeah, like, like most of the teams either have a quarterback who's on the average level or better, or is a young quarterback who's still waiting to figure out. Like there are not that many teams who have bad quarterbacks who are not on their rookie deals. Like it just doesn't happen that often. Like it's easier to, there are more quarterbacks out there right now. Yeah, the evaluation's gotten not. I won't say easier, but I just feel like the offenses are a little more safe now, right? Like you're going to see. Yeah, and quarterbacks are throwing more in college. Like there's less difference between the college offense. There and the you pro go. Offense. The pros have adopted some of the college stuff, so the transition becomes a little easier. The the rules on defense. It's harder to play defense. They put the rules in to make it harder on the defense. Um, you know, all sorts of things like that. Where, um, but you know, so I think it's easy. So I don't think. If you move on from Carr, I don't think you're necessarily going back to Andrew Walter Aaron yes. level. Like I think you can move on, and you know maybe you're in whatever, like Andy Dalton level, like which is, yeah, which is a similar place. But you're not it, not that many teams that are in the really bad level year in year out. Um, right. Yeah, so, you know, I see what you're saying. You'll get another one. Right. There are more guys out there. Yeah, and so when does when does that? I'm sorry, you know, I'm sorry. Winston is a backup this year. You know, not that James Winston is great, but you have like James Winston's backing up. You have Mariota's backing up. Cam Newton didn't get signed. Um, you know, Jacoby Brissett's a backup in the NFL right now, and not, yeah. not you know, there are guys who are not who are better than that. The really bad Raider quarterback from the from a decade ago, who are definitely better than that level, who are readily available. So I think your level, 
how low you can get is different than it was maybe then. So. Okay. So I, I got one more question for you and that's this. Um, and thanks again for being generous with your time uh, and working with my schedule and all that stuff. I, I know you're very busy this time of year. Um, when does Al Davis get rid of Derek Carr? At what point? <laughs> oh gosh. Um, it's a tough call. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I'm not sure. I think there is. Well, I don't. I don't think Al Davis would have liked this version of Derek Carr. No. I think one of the issues is like I think. I think there's a version of Derek Carr that could be very successful. I just think he's not willing. That's what he wants to necessarily. It's on his comfort zone. Like he can throw the ball deep. He can stretch the feet. He can push, do things. He's capable. He has the arm to do it, and he's totally capable of doing it. This offense doesn't ask ask of that a lot, and I don't think he pushes that when the opportunities are there. I think PFF had a good one where, you know, he's basically number one or number two in checkdowns, and not only is he high in checking down, he checks down faster than any other quarterback. So he gets off that first read and goes to okay, let me just dump it off short faster than the quarterback. So it's not even waiting that extra instant to maybe wait for something to develop. So maybe, maybe Al Davis gets gets an offensive system that since he liked the deep ball, that, that it's going to push Carr to do that. And maybe things are different. That I don't know. But I don't think he would have uh, – I think he would have gotten frustrated by watching this. Right. And I, I think it's after the 20 – I would say 2018. Or even 20 – yeah, I would say after 2018, I think he makes the call. That's just what I what I would think because – I think when once you give him that money, you know, what I mean, and, and it would it would have been tough to get out of that contract. But Al never hated dead money, so I, he was never a guy that was. Yeah, yeah, you know, your time where you, you know, basically the time where they could have drafted a guy and didn't was 2018. There were quarterbacks in that draft, and they could have and didn't. And I get why they didn't. Um, you know, it was just one down. It's only been one down year, and. Blaming, okay, that was Todd Downing, and we just get the Gruden system back and everything will be back to where it was in 2016. So I understand the decision. But since then, they haven't had the opportunity. There have not been great quarterback prospects where they've been. Um, so I get why they haven't drafted one. Um, but I get at a certain point, either the players are going to get better or they're going to have to find someone else because they can't keep going with 20 points. Yeah. 20 points a game and, a court, you know, and some of the things that have gone on. So. Yeah, because you can't change the coach. So. No, you're not changing that. So. <laughs> yeah, it's got to it's got to be one. That's why right. a lot of people, right. even with me and on my Twitter, they kind of say, "Oh, you go at car super crazy." I go, "Yeah, I go at what can change." That's that's what I kind of like. You can't. And really- and that's one thing that hasn't changed, right? It's like you know, sure there are other things to blame, but there's been one constant, and the only other constant now isn't changing. That's Gruden. He's there for the long haul, so the system is what's going to be. And now the only thing you know. There's been one – basically, it's Gabe Jackson, a little, mostly Rodney Hudson's been there, I think, five of the six years in car. Yeah. And I guess a little bit of Jalen Richard, Jalen Richard before. Yeah, but basically, you know, that's been the constant. And, um, you know, basically, the office is, not, is underperformed. Like, it's pretty simple. Like, um, I don't think it's that – I didn't think it was that controversial to say the office is underperformed, but, but for some people, that is evidently controversial. Um, but – yeah, I think the numbers are pretty clear that the offense does not perform to the level that you need. Well, just know you got people like me and a lot of other people I know, though, they I don't know if we necessarily when we say appreciate seeing those stats because they're not great stats. <laughs> uh, we, uh, yeah, I will say this. The majority of people in my mentions are more positive about the, or accepting whatever you are, or, or phrase it, right. I agree with the sentiment. 
it's the the ones who tweet at me. I don't necessarily respond. I don't feel the need to respond to those. I've, I've right. I'm likely to respond to the ones who like put out false stats or false things to defend, you know, or these false arguments to create something. So, uh, but I guess there's a pretty large segment of the people, at least in tw- Twitter is a small slice of reality, but there are a lot of people, yeah, who definitely agree with it. And there are definitely some vocal people who don't. So it's all good. Sports. Yeah. Uh, I think I think a lot of people the people that watch this are gonna I think even the ones that can't stand you and hopefully nobody gets too crazy in like your DMs <laughs> or, or something like that like hopefully nobody no they don't get too they don't get for the most part they don't get too I haven't heard anything that crazy it's mostly yeah it's mostly civil uh, you know <laughs> as civil as Twitter can get yeah. right but yeah they're not like yeah not. yeah well uh, I again thank you for joining me uh, I'm this is Josh Dubow. Um, you are currently covering the Raiders and the Niners, right? Because I've seen pieces on both. Yeah, I do. So I have the Niners here, and then with Raiders all being on Zoom, mostly. So I'm still doing, got my hand in doing some of that, and don't know for sure, but it sounds like I'll try to go in at least for a few of the games in Las Vegas. Um, oh, that'll be cool. When the Niners aren't home, but we're still all the particulars out of that, depending on how travel, easy travel is going to be and things like that. So we'll see. Right. Well, stay safe. Again, this is yep, Josh at, at Josh Dubow AP um, on Twitter. Uh, if you probably already follow him, if you listen to me. But um, uh, yeah, thanks again for joining me. Um, yeah, no problem. And, uh, uh, yeah, see you later. Sounds good. Bye. All right.